Welcome to Covenant Heart Ministry Sabbath Sermons. I'm your host, Thomas. Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus, is coming soon. Covenant Heart Ministry focuses on interconnected building blocks of biblical faith in action. Let us join the weekly Sabbath sermon. Be blessed. All right. So, Matthew 13, we're continuing our discussion about Yeshua's parables that relate to the last days and identifying good fruit, God fruit. Those that love truth, those that believe the lie, those that follow the deception, those that seek and pursue righteousness. And these parables are key point parables. These are these are skeleton keys that open all the old school locks. Understanding these parables unlocks other parables, other teachings, quotations, prophecies, helps us understand what's going on. Things that are obscured in shadows become more clear. So we read from Matthew 13, 24 through the end. We're focusing on the parable of the weeds. And focusing on weeds, wheat, soil. This continues the parable of the sower and the seed. So we're going to hear more about those that have seed among the thorns. From last week, those that hear the word, but the cares of this world, or the deceit of riches in this world, or a combination of both, choke out their ability to produce fruit. So we're going to hear about more, more about the weeds. And I'm going to parallel, parallel verses again. He told them another parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. And then in verse 37, Yeshua answered his disciples and said, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom. So, already we've got a stage set, and already this parallels with the sower and the seed. The sower is Jesus, God. The seed is the word of the kingdom, is the gospel, is reconciliation by Jesus' blood on our behalf that we personally receive into our soil. This soil field is the world. The seed is the Son of Man sending forth his disciples to bear the good news to all the world, Jew and Gentile equally. Which also shows that before Jesus died, he was still planning on Jew and Gentile merging in one field. He was hinting at it, but the disciples didn't understand it until later. Just like I have sheep from another fold, they must join. And the good seed are the sons of the kingdom. So the good seed in the parable of the sower and the seed, um, the good seed is the word of the kingdom, the good ground, is he who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit. So if the good seed are the sons of the kingdom, then these are those that have honest relationship with God, are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, are bearing fruit. These are the ones that Jesus is pleased with. These are the ones he wants to save, redeem. These are the ones that are his harvest. And this is what Jesus desires. 
what Jesus does not desire is plants that don't bear fruit. Um, and the, as verse 38 says, the weeds are the sons of the evil one. That being said, the sons of the evil one, the weed, um, back in the sower and the seed, we saw birds, we saw hard ground, we saw thorns and thistles that choke with cares or deceit. So if the weed has ground and the weed is growing, that means that the weed itself is growing. When Jesus said that I don't ask your father to take them out of the world, but rather that keep them from the evil one. Because in this world we'll have trial, tribulation, service, turning, void, chaos. But I ask you to make them light as we are the source of light. Show them different by their love one for another, that they may show that they are my disciples, be my witness in this world. To identify wheat and weed are different things. But Jesus showed his prayer. So just as God called order out of chaos in the days of creation, that's what Yeshua wants us to do clearly identifying weed and wheat, as Yeshua himself will clearly identify weed and wheat. He knows the difference. We're the ones that make the difference. So that's why he gives us parables. So, uh, verse 25. While men slept, his enemy came in and sowed wheat among the wheat, and went away. And verse 39, the enemy who sowed them, being the wheat, is the devil. So what do we have from this? We have the, the principle that Satan is not the creator. Satan is a creative being. God initiated Satan counterfeit. Until Yahweh Elohim, Yeshua, made an appearance as Messiah, there could be no false gospel. Until Yahweh declared, this is my law, this is my righteousness. How could we depart from it? How could we dissuade it? How could we be lawless if there is no law? Satan creates, is not foretold, and it does not create. Yahweh creates, Satan mimics. So the true must come before the counterfeit. So, he sowed wheat among the wheat and went away. It's not possible to know counterfeit in the early stage unless you know where the seed comes from. But to one who's just watering and anyone who gardens, doesn't matter how much you prepare the soil, weeds will still come. You have to be able to identify the weeds early before they become full grown plants. That's your only hope for getting rid of it. Now, that being a common statement among gardeners, the rest of the parable makes sense. Uh, verse 26 When the shoots have sprung up and produced fruit, the weeds also appear. Yes. You 
will know that they will know you are my disciples by your love. We will know a tree by the fruit it bears. Yeshua said, a good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. You do not get salt water from a freshwater well. It is not useful. That was James. Talking about the tongue. But the point still remains. That you will see the fruit, and by the fruit, you will know what it is means the, these weeds were not plucked out early. It means, like in the sower and the seed, there's good fruit, there's good wheat that took root. There's wheat fruit has good soil, and the wheat found good soil and is growing up right along with it. Makes me think of this alone. Second Thessalonians 2, where it talks about the great falling away, great apostasy. I interpret that as being a pitching away, a removal, a military rank of one group leaving the rest of it. Because if we take it the other way and say apostasy of faith, faith is not mentioned. Yeshua right here says wheat will grow among the weeds. Yeshua acknowledges that there will always be an apostasy from Orthodox faith at all points of time. There will always be weeds in the wheat. But the master of the harvest is the one that will determine what is weed and what is wheat. Because we have until we die to decide our relationship to the master of the harvest. How gracious he is that weeds can become a part of the harvest. And during the time that a harvest happens, during the first fruits, during the barley harvest, the wheat harvest, you know what the wheat is because it bends the head when it's fully ripe. And the arrogant, stiff neck weeds stand straight up. But the weeds are sticky. And to pull weeds at the early stages, they're bound to the wheat. You're going to lose some wheat. It's going to, it's going to do damage. So, that all being said, because these are all considerations that go on in the parable. So, verse 27. Uh, the servants of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where did these weeds, weeds come from? He said to him, an enemy did this. The servant said to him, Will you then have us go and gather them up? So, this is a question of why does God not punish all sin immediately? Is that really the question of the wheat to ask? I'm wheat, I'm growing, I've got a weed next to me. Is it really the wheat's question to ask why does the master of the harvest not remove this weed next to me? If we're more focused on the weed, are we actually bearing fruit to 
cause the wig to want to transform and behave, to minister to the wig and to show them the difference between wheat and wig. Because if we're known for what we complain about and what we oppose, how are we known for what we stand for? Because that's what Yeshua tells us to do. They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Not your love of weeds, but your love of other weeds. And the compassion that you show toward the strangers in the gate. So, yes, it's good to identify the difference, but it's not good for wheat to start pulling up whatever it thinks is weeds. Good for wheat to be wheat. Because at the right time, the master of the harvest will remove the weeds. There's many, many harvests before the final harvest. So, so, verse 29, but master of the harvest said, no, don't don't go and gather up the weeds, lest while you gather up the weed, you also pull the wheat with them. Let both grow together until, until the harvest. And I'll hold on to that for a second. The master of the harvest is great, great enough to know the difference in the early stages. Is also compassionate enough to allow us the freedom of choice. We choose what we desire. With choice comes the responsibility and the consequence of your choice. If our if the master of the field, Yeshua Yahweh, was like Satan, we'd either have bad choice and bad consequence. Or we'd be punished for every wrongdoing we ever do. Master of the Harvest is gracious enough to give us time to repent. And if we are fully ripe and fully mature in our stiff neckness, then he will bring judgment at the right time. But if we become weak and bend the neck and show humility, we do indeed. Because it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination of when the harvest comes and someone that professes to be wheat and looks like wheat, seems like wheat, wears skinny jeans like wheat, then says, I don't actually believe in this God at all. Christianity is just a joke. There is no God in the midst of coronavirus. Openly calling out Hillsong, Sanctus Real, in most recent things. Saying that I've been homosexual for a long time. I'm just going to start coming out and do praise music like that. Because God openly accepts it. And I just didn't want to say anything for years. This is wheat and weeds. We don't know the difference. Then we really need to check our own fruit to see if we are right with God in the first place or if we are weed thinking that we're wheat. Once saved, always saved does not work if there is no relationship. When someone is truly in relationship with God, even if they walk away, they will return. 
one who simply lives in the field where wheat is meant to grow, but is a confused weed that really thinks they're a wheat. They're a trans weed. God doesn't believe in GMO harvest. There is no genetically modified spiritual redeemed believers. There is no GMO Holy Spirit. There is no GMO. God is what I think he is because this daffodil is weak and weak at the same time. Doesn't work that way. So, it used to be when pastors were caught in affairs that churches would split over it. And now we have musicians and teachers, prosperity gospel, new apostolic reformation that do things that are contrary to Bible and they're openly accepted and there's no we have weed and we have wheat and they're growing together. Look at your own fruit before you look at the fruit of others. Make sure you're right. The enemy did this. He sowed the false gospel. He sowed an alternative understanding. So the mythical, mystical idea. It's so Gnosticism, it's so Kabbalah, it's so Christian, it's so one world religion. And he said that this is weak, this weak is actually weak. We need to know our creator enough to know the difference. Get off my rant. So verse 29, he said, no, lest while you gather up the wheat, you also pull the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather up the weeds first, bind them in bundles and burn them. To gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 39 The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall be at the end of the age. So we're going to work on the first half of this first. These weeds are called darnel. In the Greek, they're darnel weeds. The reason that's important is it looks identical to wheat in the early stages of their growth. They completely pass the are you an Orthodox Christian test. But there's a little bit of GMO. They're not. As it grows, then we actually get to know. But we don't get to know until the very end when it's fully ripe. Because in the middle stage, the Darnell wraps around the wheat. It becomes entangled. There's it's like a grapevine with little spirals. You rip one out and then pull out the grenade. So Yahweh lets them grow. In the time of harvest, he will say to the reapers, gather up the weeds first, bind them and burn them, gather the wheat into my barn. Yeshua says at the end of the age that he will separate those that are his special treasure, his bride, the sheep and the goats. The virgins that are wise, that are ready and prepared, separate from those that are foolish and not filled with the Holy Spirit, but pretending like they are. 
oil is the type of the Holy Spirit. This applies both to pre-tribulation and at the end of tribulation. It applies in pre-trib with the idea that God is calling the Spirit to himself. He's calling does it have honest relationship with him? He's calling his spirit to himself and a wise virgin to come into the chamber before until the time of indignation is over. Which means that the foolish virgin is like the weeds that are bound up and thrown into the fire of the tribulation and the torment. The weeping and gnashing of teeth in 42 could refer to the idea that I pretended to be in relationship with Jesus, but I wasn't ready when he actually showed to take his bride to himself. And now I have to go through the tribulation. No. That I could have avoided it if I was actually sincere and real. But I did what felt good. And I wasn't actually honest in the relationship with God. I trusted my works more than God's work through me. It also applied to the end of the age as God goes and separates before he pours out his final wrath. So so we'll continue into 40 to 43. Therefore, as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it shall be at the end of this age. At the end of this age, could refer to the biblical idea of a dispensation, the time of the Gentiles, the time of Israel, the time where God returns to Israel, 144,000. These are dispensations because they're periods of time that are marked by a specific relationship. Jeremiah 31 talks about, I will make a new covenant, not like the one of their fathers when they came out of Egypt, but I will establish it with my spirit in you. I will remove your sin. And you will no longer be stiff-necked, you will have a heart of flesh. This is a dispensation. This is God identifying a dispensation in the future that he will make. This does not contradict or replace what God is doing in Jeremiah's day. He's saying, I will do this in the future with the coming of his life. So the end of this age could be the time of the Gentiles coming to a close and the time of focusing on Israel as Paul and Romans talks about. Or it could be the end of the 6,000 years of this age for the 7,000 millennium reign of Messiah at the end of the tribulation. So I say it can apply both ways. Verse 41, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and all those who do evil will throw them into a fiery furnace. They'll be wailing and gnashing teeth. Comment? Verse 40 or 40, 
shows that the idea of at the end of this age refers to the biblical idea of a dispensation because there is more than one application to this parable because the end of this age the end of the messianic kingdom is completely parallel and accurate because even in the messianic kingdom there is sin there are those that do not receive Messiah's kingship in his kingdom with glorified people and not glorified people. Seeing Jesus on the throne annually coming to pay homage to him, there are still those that sin and rebel and Satan will try and make a rebellion at the end of the Messianic kingdom so that the final lap of sifting will be complete. Is there a comment? It's not like the next verse I'll let you Okay. So and 41 is paralleled in Matthew 24, um, verse 30 and 31. We won't discuss the parallel, but I am acknowledging it. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all tribes on earth will mourn. They'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He'll send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. He'll gather his elect from the four winds, one from one end of the heavens to the other. So there is much discussion, and I will leave it there. Revelation talks about it as well. But what all of this has in common is God's messengers being sent out to separate those that are faithful and true from those that love the riches of this world, the deceitful, ideas of Gnostic knowledge, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the very same things that Satan tempted Eve with in the garden. So, and there's a long, long set of lists in the New Covenant of these behaviors will not enter the kingdom of God. Outside God's kingdom, are those that practice these behaviors, they will not enter. Those that approve and love and practice will not enter. You can look up the verses, there's at least five of them. It's a long list. Um, verse 41, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they'll gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who do evil. This is the list that I mentioned. They will be thrown into a fiery furnace. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. God would rather take the unwise virgins and allow them to go through the tribulation so that maybe they will become wise and they will receive him 
rather than completely destroy them all at once. Our God is gracious enough to give us multiple times to repent. And until we die, we have the opportunity to repent this day. The time that God is convicting us. He will not strive with us continually. He will give us what we want at times. It's up to us to identify, am I weed or am I wheat? What is my relationship to the master of the harvest? Then verse 43, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. May I give the Daniel quote before your comment? You sure can. And this is quoting from Daniel 12, 3. Uh, I'll read 2 and 3. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine as the brightness of the expanse of heaven. Those who turn the many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Verse 4, that you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal this book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. That's now. Did you have a comment? Oh, I have a really big comment. And I'm really excited. Okay. Please share. Okay. So, the Son of Man shall send out his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend in those who do evil, and will throw them into a fiery furnace. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteousness will shine forth, as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who has an ear, let him hear. 1 Corinthians 15.24 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then comes the end, when he will deliver up the kingdom of God to the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he will reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is revealed that he who has put all things under him is in is the exception. When all things are subject to him, the Son himself will also be subject to him who puts all things under his feet, that God may be in all. That God may be all in all. Whew, I'm excited because I gotta go, I gotta go to Revelation. So it's 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 28. What revelation passage is parallel cross-reference? When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be set free from his prison, and he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They traveled, they, they traveled the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city but fire came down from god out of heaven and devoured them the devil who was who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet were and they're tormented and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever it was revelation 27 through 10. Yes. Excellent example of at the end of this age being applied multiple times, seeing the application of it and God's glory shining forth in his good seed in the good soil, which is the earth, his kingdom. But recognizing that his kingdom is not yet established and will be and is to come. 
Yay. Thank you. And the Daniel passage and what you read from Corinthians and Revelation all show that there is a reward for being discerning and identifying wheat from wheat, turning the wicked to the way of righteousness and encouraging what is righteous as God defines it to continue. There's reward in this, but we also have to be loving as as my wife has told me, salt is good, honey is good, but salt and honey together is better. You can't overdo one or the other, otherwise it, it completely destroys the balance. You have to salt your words with truth and you have to have enough honey to be palatable, just like the scroll that Jeremiah and John were both shown and both told to eat. It was sweet to the mouth, but turned bitter in their stomach. Yeshua wants us to be salt and light, not assault people with our light. Nobody laughed in front of me. <laughs> okay. So, Whoever has ears, let them hear. And they will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. It also says, adding Revelation and um, First Timothy, those that do not love the truth will embrace the lie, will believe the deception, and they will burn brightly with their father in his kingdom, except they'll be burning in flame, gnashing and weeping teeth with Satan at his destruction. So this is why we're doing these parables, to understand wheat and weed, that we may discern ourselves and be a sincere example to others, that they may turn from wickedness unto righteousness Yeshua says, they will know you are my disciples by your love. If God is love, the definition of love, we should be reflecting God's love as his disciples. Truth said in a mean way does not justify truth. You must take acknowledgement of the meanness and the truth. But truth said in a loving way is real. So, so acknowledging all this, I, I want to, I want to skip to 47 through 52 very quickly. 47 through 50 is the, is the fisherman's. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast into the sea and gathered all kinds of fish. Red fish, blue fish, one fish, two fish, Dr. Seuss fish. Republican and Democrat fish, red and blue. The point being, all types of fish were gathered in all different denominations, different examples and preferences and expressions, both, all of it. When it was full, they drew it to the shore and sat down and gathered the good into baskets and threw the bad away. It may seem good while you're in the ocean. It may seem right when you're still in the net, but Yeshua will judge true and false, not relativistically, 
with an absolute statement of truth. So it shall be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. There'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Further reinforcing the same concept. Because the Jews in his day and those that keep biblically clean, if you're offered a shrimp and a tuna, one of them is a garbage collector, the pool filter. The other one is the object in the pool you can eat. You're going to not eat the pool filter. You're going to eat the one you can eat. Like soda is good. I don't eat the soda can. Good fish and bad fish. There is a definition. 51. Have you understood these things? Yeshua said to his disciples. They said to him, yes, Lord. They were asking him for deeper knowledge. It's said in here and previous, I spoke to them in parables that they won't understand unless they seek. 52. Then he said to him, therefore, every scribe who is discipled for the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is master of his household who brings out his treasure, both new and old. Yeshua says, you who have understanding of the old vintage and you taste the new wine can appreciate both flavors. You have a unique palate and he will use that just like the 144,000 have that unique palate. To bring out treasure that has been passed down for generations and bring out treasure that is just being revealed, being the subject tangible of Messiah himself, is valuable. You do not need to forsake one in order to embrace the other. You need to unite the two. So his audience, Jews, that no Torah, God's commands given to Moses and the prophets, being united with the Gentiles who don't know it. And they come to learn Jesus and they're really excited. This is old and new treasure together. This is the great pearl of great price. This is the hidden treasure. The hidden treasure being the Jewish people buried in the land of Israel. Pearl of great price coming from an oyster from the ocean. The ocean is a symbol of the Gentiles. The oyster is unclean, but the pearl itself is not unclean. And of great value, just like the treasure. So Jesus is saying, Jew and Gentile are one in my kingdom. One is not better than the other. They have unique perspectives, and that should be honored. That's why every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and ethnicity is represented in heaven and celebrated. So we can take this and we can apply it to the modern context of systematic racism and systemic racism. And we can say, this is what Jesus has to say about that. And Jesus doesn't say it's okay to persecute one in favor of the other. He says, there's a middle ground because I am the middle ground. And if you have Jesus in common, the rest of it is interpretation, bias, and details, which can be cleared up by context. Whether it's your personal context, your historical context, your cultural context. 
three different ones that can clarify the misunderstandings we have of each other. Jesus is our righteousness, not our works. If our works is how we are accepted before God, we have no hope. If our works add to the foundation Jesus gives us, then we're like the toes in Daniel's statue of bronze and clay together. If we have Jesus in common, we have common ground. The rest of it is context. If we don't have Jesus in common, or if we add to his integrity, we've broken the integrity because we do not have his integrity. This is why God himself established covenant for us and said, you enter based on my word and my integrity and my zealousness for my name and my glory that I will put in you for my sake. And this is how you will know that you are wheat. And this is how you will know you are my disciples by your love for one another because I am love and I'm teaching you how to love by you having relationship with me. Apart from me, you cannot bear fruit, John 15, 5, because apart from him, we bear human fruit, not God fruit. Humans can do six out of 10 commands. Humans cannot do four unless they have relationship with God. So let us bear fruit and be wheat, not weeds, especially as the coming of the coming of this age is drawing very, very nigh. And the deception is coming very strong. And it is desirable. Eve ate the fruit because it was desirable to her eyes, to her mind, and to her relationship and status. But she was looking at the rest of creation. She was not looking at her creator. This is the same deception that's coming across right now and will get worse over time. And the deception looks desirable. This is why we need to check our fruit. Say these things in Yeshua's name. May God be the glory. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Heart Ministry Weekly Sabbath Sermon. Please subscribe for more interconnected topics and build a firm foundation for Bible-based faith in action. Be blessed in the Lord. Messiah is coming soon.